Welcome to Stepping Stone's Fearless Inventory Podcast. I'm your host, Alexis. The Fearless Inventory Podcast is here to help anyone take a quick, honest self-inventory on topics we at Stepping Stones know are key to living free from all forms of victimization. But what's really great about this is that these topics are relevant for everyone. You don't have to be in a crisis to take a step back and check in on how you're doing. We all have areas of unmanageability in our lives. Maybe it's an unhealthy relationship or drug or alcohol abuse or even overspending. But once we recognize these areas in our lives and start to understand how we got to a point of unmanageability, then we can begin to do the courageous and hard work to live better lives. And that's what this podcast is all about. everyone. Alexis and Corey here from Stepping Stones Agency. Hello. This episode of Fearless Inventory Podcast will take a look at what intimate partner violence or domestic violence is and how to identify unhealthy situations in a relationship. I do want to give a quick disclosure is that we're going to talk about uh, some tough topics and briefly describe physical sexual violence. And if that's hard for you to listen to, I just want to make sure you're aware that it's included in this episode. Often domestic violence is only thought of as a physical act, hitting, punching, kicking, use of a weapon, but it's a lot more than that. Mm -hmm. And at Stepping Stones, we take a different approach to domestic violence, and that's what we're going to take a look at today. Before we go too far into what domestic violence can look like, I want to share that if you haven't listened to episode two about unmanageability, please check that episode out first. It is a core part of how we approach domestic violence at Stepping Stones, and mm-hmm. it will come up throughout this episode and future episodes. All right, let's just jump in and start with what different types of intimate part- partner violence are. Most people are familiar with physical abuse mm-hmm. or sexual assault, but Corey, let's actually go into what each of those are and also look at some of the less understood forms of abuse. Absolutely. Well, basically, abuse is any kind of uh, force, manipulation, destruction uh, in an effort to control another person or a situation. It's, it's anything, it's things that violate a person's boundaries. And what's going on is there's some, someone is trying to control, create an illusion of control, really, mm-hmm. or power over another person uh, or situation. So... There are things like physical abuse, emotional, sexual abuse, intellectual, uh, spiritual abuse. And I'll, I'll just go through some of those things. Yeah, I think that's So great. we get a better idea. You know, a, a lot of folks are really familiar with physical violence, which is using some kind of force or manipulation to, to control somebody that's kicking or pulling their hair or, um, I mean, it could be pushing, slapping more violent things like stabbing or anything to your physical your body Mm -hmm. Um, sexual abuse goes from rape or unwanted sexual things but in an abusive relationship it also includes things like withholding sex or promiscuity or things that are again designed to push against someone's boundaries and create 
some kind of power over that person. Mm-hmm. So these are unhealthy. These are unhealthy behaviors. Not that promiscuity is bad or with not wanting to have sex, but it's more about trying to manipulate and coerce somebody else right. using those things. So emotional or psychological abuse is trying to control that person with threats of threats of harm or withdrawals or punishment kinds of things. So it's name calling, uh, threatening, threatening someone, telling lies about somebody, mm-hmm. lying, straight out lying to you. Mm-hmm. It can be whatever might be humiliating or harassing, um, even things like giving someone the silent treatment, uh, locking you in a, in a room or a house, um, things like driving recklessly when you're in the car. Again, remember the, the abuse is a way of manipulating or, or forcing behaviors on someone. Uh, emotional abuse or psychological abuse includes abusing your animals. So if, some, if your mm-hmm. partner is hurting your animal or threats to hurt your animal, it's just not as clear cut as if someone were punching you, right. but it is abusive mm-hmm. and, and hurtful in a relationship. So first of all, I could just go on and on. So I, I, I'm wary of, I'm wary of. I think uh, the reckless driving mm-hmm. is a great example and yeah. something that a lot of people wouldn't necessarily recognize sure. immediately as an abusive controlling tactic, right? Like you're captive in someone's car and if they're driving recklessly, your life is on purpose. Sure. Mm -hmm. Sure. So later we're going to look at some assessments of what abusive relationships could look like. And that's a great, that's a great example. Mm -hmm. That's not as clear cut. So let me move on to intellectual abuse is not letting someone in, in your family or in a, in an intimate relationship, uh, having to have them mirror the intellect of the family or that relationship. So those are things mm-hmm. like growing up in, if a family is saying, Oh, you don't need to go to college. None of us went to college or the opposite. Hey dummy, you know, how come you can't right. do X, Y, Z, um, or not encouraging and supporting you if you have intellectual endeavors or you have some other things going on. So, uh, that one's also tricky. Spiritual, spiritual abuse is not necessarily about religion. I mean, it can be if you've right. had, if you're in a, in a church where there's force or manipulation happening. Um, but really spirituality is about understanding your, your place um, in the universe, about uh, your place in relation to others. It's about being separate from others, uh, having healthy boundaries. It's also about being able to be present in this moment and not worry. You know, so kids that are experiencing these kinds of things we just talked about, they, well, kids and adults, but we're we're focusing on what happened yesterday or the fight or the screaming or the, mm-hmm. the drinking. We're worried about what's going to happen tonight when when the alcoholic comes home or whatever. And we're not able to be present and understand where we are in relation to all these things. That's where codependency comes in and uh, spiritual abuse is so insidious. There's also economic abuse uh, or property, you know, ruining, destroying physical things, uh, pulling the phone cord out of the wall. Well, I used to use that as an example. Doesn't make, you know, uh, (laughs) destroying your cell phone. um, (laughs) uh, Even things like ruining your credit or overspending, obviously stealing your money or selling your stuff, or even in an unhealthy relationship, 
lying about assets. Um, another another example of this is going to pick up somebody's paycheck before they they can get it to go spend it all on booze or something. So there's a, a lot of things that can happen in a intimate partner uh, in in a relationship where where even both people can kind of have some of these behaviors going on. Mm-hmm. All right. So these are the behaviors that are happening. These are the things that you would tell someone, right? Mm-hmm. If you were experiencing this mm-hmm. and it's what it looks like from the outside. So we're going to talk about what's going on underneath these behaviors and connect it to the cycle of unmanageability a little bit later in this yeah. episode. Yeah. But for, for right now, I want to take, I want to take a minute for a really important side note. Okay. Um, traditionally we understood abuse as physical violence and it actually took a long time for, for that to even be against the law, um, in a domestic violence situation. And the traditional response has mostly been a law enforcement, like a criminal justice response. Our, our criminal justice system is really designed to see everyone as a victim or an offender or a perpetrator. Okay, so like if I um, was walking to my car and someone came and stole my wallet and my cell phone, well, it's, yeah. it's clear that that's a victim and a perpetrator. Sure. And the, res- and the response to that would be like you get the guy who gets arrested and you get restitution or you get your stuff back, maybe counseling or therapy if it was traumatic. And then the bad guy goes to jail or has fines or community service. You know, so that's wrapped up this kind of random assault or or uh, that that is the way our law enforcement is kind of designed to say you did something against our rules and you get in trouble and the other person gets some restitution or something. Yeah. So, Corey, why is that different from intimate partner violence? Then? Well, that's the really important side note that I want to make that if we only take this law enforcement or this kind of justice response to intimate partner violence, it results in a victim and offender um, labels, but also a stance for the people involved. We do really, you know, we need to have appropriate and swift consequences for for someone and assistance for, for as necessary, but we really don't do people favors by simply labeling this way yeah. and then only responding and helping them with kind of narrow services for a victim or for an offender. Mm-hmm. I mean, even this is where the term battered woman comes, comes from and all the original responses were about getting the bad guy away. And what we found in the last 40 years is that if we just take this kind of response and we just get the bad guy away and we help a victim to get a house, a car and a job, but we don't include the personal responsibility and the recovery piece that creates a solid foundation, uh, then we're really just creating a house of cards. And Mm -hmm. the person uh, will be in another abusive relationship in weeks or months or, I mean, even back with the same abusive partner. Right. So the physical assault often results in the criminal justice response, right? Mm -hmm. But the other forms of violence that we've talked about in this episode are also really damaging and abusive, but may not warrant a criminal justice response in the same way. Mm -hmm. It's much trickier with intimate partner violence because there's often a lot of things happening with both Mm -hmm. people in the relationship that make it a lot less clear cut and easy to identify. Mm Often people uh, need to address some things. Both of them need to address Mm -hmm. some things. Both of them need to 
take some respective responsibilities for making change in their lives in order to live free from all forms of abuse that we've talked about today. Yeah, I mean, that's really what we do differently at Stepping Stones. Our advocates are superbly skilled and have experiences themselves that help them walk the line between upholding victims' rights, Mm -hmm. that criminal justice response that is necessary, and getting the bad guy away, but at the same time, gently, honestly guiding someone to take a look at what may be keeping them vulnerable Mm -hmm. to further victimization or to get in another abusive relationship. This is the key. Recovery, fellowship, therapy, integrating the past experiences and learning about our own behaviors, like the way we grew up, all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. That's really the way out. Yeah, I mean, that's describing exactly what's integral to our philosophy here at Stepping Stones. We know abuse is not a single incident, and there are no simple answers. This is a part of learned behaviors throughout life. Mm -hmm. And that's where all of that hard work that we talked about in the last episode about unmanageability comes in. Uh, Future episodes, you know, we're going to talk about what it actually looks like for someone in recovery and have some guests in who can share their experiences as well. All right, Corey, so we talked about all of these behaviors. Now let's talk about the cycle of unmanageability and how it really illustrates what's happening within these unhealthy relationships. Yes. So we talked about the cycle of unmanageability last time. And the when it when we're gonna what we're gonna do is kind of overlay the cycle of domestic violence mm-hmm. that you see in textbooks and stuff that power and control wheel power and control and what you see in domestic violence is um, there's kind of a tension building phase and then there's an explosion and then there's a honeymoon phase and that is again a simplistic view of what you see from the outside right but what's going on underneath that traditional you know that kind of simplistic view is the same thing that is happening with drug and alcohol addiction or unhealthy spending, mm-hmm. uh, all, all kinds of things that we're talking about. And it's the same thing that happened with, with any of these compulsive behaviors. So what's going on under the tension building explosion honeymoon is the cycle of unmanageability. It's fueled by what happens is you get some kind of feeling, a fear of abandonment, fear of exposure or shame. You have some kind of fear of being out of control. So in that tension building, an abusive partner may get a fear of exposure, like, you know, somebody finds something out about what's going on, or they have a, they get a fear of being out of control. You know, the, the partner says, if you do that again, I'm leaving or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. So they feel there's some kind of fear that propels and creates the momentum for this cycle. So they then choose, quote, choose a behavior that uh, results in the the explosion. So it's mm-hmm. it can be any of those abusive behaviors we talked about. They might hit somebody or scream and yell or break things. Whatever they, quote, choose is used for, the, the reason they do that is to recreate that illusion of control and get rid of the feeling of fear or abandonment or exposure so that they can create the illusion that they're back in control. I, I, I think I need to take another kind of side note to, to let folks know that this is not that clear cut 
like I talked about. It is not just the abusive husband or the alcoholic wife and the innocent victim that is being, you know, hurt. It's so much more complicated because people get in these relationships together, not by accident. And in, you know, in in upcoming episodes, we're going to talk about childhood trauma and why we learn ways to get our needs met and why we get into this cycle of unmanageability. So in intimate partner violence, there's a dance going on. There's, you know, the person might be drinking and creating these this unhealthy environment, but the other person might be doing all kinds of other stuff uh, to control and manipulate behavior. So it's really, really complicated. So you could see this cycle from both sides. You know, maybe when my abusive husband does X, I then get into this cycle. I have a fear of uh, abandonment or fear of being out of control, and I might engage in my own behaviors of... Um, becoming a perfectionist, or I might, you know, go out shopping or, or abuse my prescription drugs or whatever to create my own illusion of mm-hmm. being in control. Really just like drugs and alcohol uh, or any, any of these things are this unmanageable, uh, or whatever, is, whatever we're choosing as these behaviors. So this, the, this handouts are going to be in our show notes so you can s- visually see the cycle and get a lot more examples of what's going on here. Yeah, it's a really complicated thing to understand. I think what you said, that dance is really interesting uh, because both people have a part in that. Yeah. So these are all the, th- I mean, these are the things that we use to create the illusion that everything is okay. And any of the people can be engaging in these behaviors uh, to get that kind of release phase. All right, Corey, can you give me some more examples? Like, let's talk about that reckless driver that Mm -hmm. we brought up earlier. Yeah. So in this cycle, when it comes to like reckless driving, that's again, an example of whatever's going on for the person, there's some kind of fear of exposure, abandonment, whatever. And the behavior they choose on that cycle is driving recklessly. The result that they get is that illusion of control or the, the power imbalance. And again, f- force or manipulation, some, something that they choose to do to kind of get uh, control of the situation again. The, some other examples are things like is your partner kind of isolate you in your current relationship that could come from their fear of exposure or shame you know maybe people will find out about it and it leads to that increased feeling of control things like uh, hurting animals send a message that i could also hurt you or it's devastating and takes away and takes you know it's a, it's another loss and that's again about manipulation so again, without blaming a victim in that situation, mm-hmm. I want to remind that there's a dance. People are both engaging in behaviors because of the skills they learned to get their needs met growing up, the environment that they were in. And we'll, we'll go on more later when we talk about childhood trauma and abuse. But the victim in this marriage, let's say, is also engaging in a lot of plate spinning and the chaos of this cycle. And they, they're they choosing other behaviors that come across as codependent, or they may be an alcoholic or prescription drug user themselves, or 
They might be a perfectionist or they focus a lot of their energy on cleaning and making everything look good, dieting, uh, overspending, whatever. Some Mostly things that help them look good from the outside. Being an overhelper. Um, so, so as an example that I, that I think of is, let's say the quote victim in this relationship is home trying to make sure everything's perfect and has made food and the alcoholic comes home and whatever is going on for them that brings up their own shame or exposure or whatever, or they're just super drunk and they blow up like that the eggs weren't cooked properly and chuck the pan across the room and Often, if we don't know what's going on behind that act, we think and we focus on, like, what was wrong with the eggs? Like, were they just not cooked yeah. right? And the victim might spend a lot of time trying to be perfect and do better so as to avoid the alcoholic getting mad about the eggs. But when we understand this cycle, this plate spinning, this unmanageability, we know it's not about the freaking eggs. It's about the unhealthy relationship. It's about the shame, the exposure, the abandonment that comes out in these ridiculous ways. Hmm. Oh, so in a relationship, if mm -hmm. some of these things are happening, why doesn't someone just leave? Well, because it's so freaking tricky and complicated. Yeah, it really um, is. God, it's all, it's all kinds of reasons. And from the outside, it's baffling. Like, like if he does this or that, why, what, what the hell? Why yeah. are you staying there? Pardon. I yeah. hope I can say that on a podcast. Okay. So <laughs> there, a lot of them are just really visceral, deep reasons. They are, the, leaving could be catastrophic. Mm -hmm. um, it, it could be fear of just change. Mm -hmm. um, it could be fear of retaliation. You could feel shame or guilt around, you know, a failed marriage or something. Religion could play right. into it. Um, maybe over time, you have been really isolated and you don't have a lot of options. Um, maybe someone doesn't have any marketable skills and they don't know how to support themselves. Like they're de economically dependent on the person. There could be cultural influences, family influences. Maybe you don't even have a supportive family or no other resources that you know of. Right. The person also has low self-esteem or, um, <clears throat> oh my gosh there's so many it could be for the kids you know sometimes that person legitimately loves the other person and doesn't want to leave them sometimes you, there's just like no more energy left you've spent all your energy on trying to fix things and you know men have other social biases or judgments and that make it hard and it's a combination of all this stuff that we always see and I will tell you what I hear sometimes is that sticking with that relationship and at least knowing what to expect right. is less scary sometimes than the unknown. What I'm going to go in, into a shelter or I'm going to go and have to start fresh. And at least if I know the person's kind of cycle and if I just kind of do X, Y, Z, sometimes it it's easier and less scary to just stay with what you know. Yeah. And Corey, what would you do? How do you how do you take the temperature of your relationship then? Like if you're yeah. feeling like something might not be right, what what do you do with that? Yeah, so there so there's gonna be an assessment tool in our show notes and we'll go over some examples from it to give folks an idea. Yeah, and this assessment it can be useful for someone 
who's even just a little concerned about their mm-hmm. re- relationship, if your relationship with someone is painful or destructive yeah. or abusive, we encourage you to talk with someone who may be able to help you sort some things out. It's so important to know that you don't have to be right or you don't have to commit to anything. But taking that time to talk to someone may give you some clarity about what what you're experiencing. Absolutely. So the assessment in the notes is going to give you a a lot of questions like, um, like the driving recklessly, things like, does your partner not want you to work? Has your partner done any of these physical violence things we talked about? Have you ever been baffled or confused by your partner's behavior? Does he or she... Uh, demean you in front of your friends? Are they rude? Are they, do they accuse you of having an affair? Are they suspicious of you and your friends that are the opposite sex? Does he or she monitor your time? Do they make you account for where you were, who, with whom, you know, you were spending your time? Uh, Do you have to answer a certain number of these questions? Yes. For it to be significant yeah there's no magic number but we found that these things do tend to indicate there's at least reason for concern but then if you also add some more dangerous things like has your partner have a history of assaultive behavior Mm. have they threatened or hurt other people have they ever attempted like to kill someone have they ever talked about killing themselves um there's things that kind of escalate it a bit or make it more Make it a higher risk situation, like have, does your partner, has they become obsessed with you? Do they ever say something like they can't live without you? Um, And then there's indicators, kind of personality indicators that would tell you, okay, now we're really kicking it up a notch. Like, do they have access to weapons? Mm -hmm. Do they talk about them a lot? Do they, um, have they ever said they're going to take revenge on somebody? Do they have their own mental health issues? Are they withdrawn, depressed? Well, even things like, are there particularly stressful life events that are going on? Unemployment, poverty, did they, uh, did they lose a job? And do they have a history of any uh, getting involved with the police. How do they talk about the police? Mm-hmm. Um, so these are ideas that could mm-hmm. create high-risk situations. Yes. And so even though there's no magic number, when you see these things together, they kind of create an increased risk. And uh, But sometimes only a couple are sufficient to think you're at risk. Like, do they have guns? They're, drug- they're on drugs and they threaten to hurt you a lot? Well, you know, now I'm, now I'm worried. But mm-hmm. so not any one of these things like they've been arrested before or uh, they have mental health issues don't necessarily mean anything. It is a bit more of a compounding effect. Have, does your family ever say, do your friends and family say weird things? Like, I don't know about this dude. Or... You know, when, when a couple people say things to you, you, you probably ought to take a look. Um, the reason I, I want to go over this with somebody is it, it is your responsibility to take a look at this stuff and potentially make some changes and do some hard work. You are responsible for making positive changes in your life and the lives of your children. Yeah, if anything hits home for you as Corey talks mm-hmm. about these things, um, you always can give us a call and talk with our advocates. They're available on our 24-7 helpline. You don't have to be in an immediate crisis to talk to someone. 
We are here to help talk through whatever is going on. And they'll even walk through these assessments with you so Mm -hmm. that you can Mm -hmm. have someone else ask some questions and talk with you about the situations in your life. Yeah. In, in a future episode, we're going to hear from survivors of intimate partner violence about how they grew up, uh, their experiences with abuse, and the hard work that they had to do to break the cycle of violence. I want to, with that focus of therapy and recovery, I want to finish the episode with a reminder from the 12 Promises of AA that when people go through these steps, they have fellowship, they get therapy, The second promise says, we will know a new freedom and a new happiness, and people experience relief from the suffering of addiction or abuse or chaos or unmanageability, and we feel free to pursue a new life without alcohol or whatever it was causing pain. And the fourth promise says, we will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace Addiction can lead to a constant state of inner turmoil, and the AA program helps people find a calmness that is rare during active using or when you're in abusive relationships. Yeah, today's episode is a lot of tough information. (laughs) Yeah, but talk to somebody, yeah. Yes, and all of the things we talked about today, the assessments and that information about the cycle of unmanageability, Mm. they'll all be in our show notes, so you can go to our website and check out those resources so that you can take a look at them for yourself. Remember that you or someone you care about can always call our helpline to talk about more. You don't have to live in our shelter to receive help. We have lots of awesome resources, educational support groups, safety planning. And like we mentioned, our advocates will go through that assessment with you as well. Our helpline number is 928-445-4673. And you can always visit us online at steppingstonesaz.org. Thanks so much for listening today, and we look forward to talking with you next time on Fearless Inventory. This podcast is presented by Stepping Stones Agencies, a not-for-profit organization providing 24-7, 365 advocacy services and safe shelter for adults and children experiencing intimate partner violence and other forms of victimization throughout West Yavapai County, Arizona. Visit steppingstonesaz.org for more information.